My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Hey, everybody, welcome back to FOMO Sapiens, the show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, today, we have a very exciting and special guest, Patrick Schwarzenegger, who, he does a lot of things. He's an actor, he's a model, he's an angel investor, he's an entrepreneur, and I've been tracking him for a couple of years. We had a guest on the show back along, I guess maybe about a year, year and a half ago, the founder and CEO of Super Coffee. Remember that company? His name is Jimmy DeSico, and Jimmy had Patrick as an investor. Patrick had seen them on Shark Tank and just reached out, and so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And so I started sort of following what Patrick was doing in the entrepreneurial world, and I realized he's doing a lot. And so it's very interesting just to see where he's spending his time. He's a person who's in the flow. He is, you know, his parents are Maria Shriver, the journalist, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of California, actor. Patrick lives in LA. He sees things, he knows things, and he invests behind them. And now he's building something new. So I just thought, who better to come on and share how he's doing things, how he's seeing things, and what he's building. And right now, he's building a new company that he started with his mother, Maria Shriver. It's called Mosh, and it is a mission-driven brain health and wellness company that aspires to inspire optimal brain health at every stage of life through nutrition, education, research, and advocacy. Now, Patrick, who is known for his work as an Alzheimer's advocate, an actor, investor, and now a food founder, is a guy who is known for his trend-spotting abilities in the better-for-you food and beverage industry. He's an active investor and advisor to numerous brands in the space, including the 350-plus fast-casual chain Belize Pizza, the fastest-growing company in the coffee space, which is Super Coffee, as we know, we just mentioned them, the recently Unilever-acquired Liquid IV, and many other companies. He is committed to helping founders to scale their emerging businesses to the next level, and now he's betting on himself as the CEO and founder, and, of course, partner of his mom, Maria Schreiber, for this new company in the brain health space called Mosh. And by the way, they sent me some of these bars. I try them tasty. Definitely enjoy them. So thanks a lot, Patrick. Now, here's what we're going to talk about today and what you're going to learn. You're going to learn how Patrick got started in the angel investment world. Like, how did he figure out what he wanted to invest in and why? It's, it's good because I think all of us, as we think about if we want to do that, understanding kind of where you want to play is important. We're going to understand how this translated into starting a company with his mother during the pandemic. So like literally in the kitchen, figuring out what they wanted to do. And we're going to talk about some of the business elements of this one because standing out in the bar market, which is, you know, where they're starting out, it's just this sort of healthy bar, snack bar, meal bar. That space is complicated. It is crowded. Of course, they have a bigger vision than that. They're going to get there as well. So Patrick explains how they're starting, where they're going and what they're trying to build. Now, I do have one small ask for you, and this one is for you. It's not about me. Meditate meditate, try meditating. You know, it's one of those things that I've been doing now for over four years, kind of a life changer. I've been trying some new things. I'm trying Wim Hof. I'm sure some of you guys have done that. Wow. But try meditation. If you want to learn more about meditation, 
I did two episodes with Jay Shetty, who is kind of the guru in this space. You can go find those in the back catalog, Jay Shetty on FOMO Sapiens. Really good episodes. Check them out. All right. And now onto the interview. As you know, I start every interview with the same question. So I started out by asking Patrick this, what's a formative decision you've had to make to get to where you are today? Uh, um, I guess the biggest decision I've had to make was to commit to launching the company, our newest company, Mosh. I mean, I know that's uh, probably not the deepest thing you're, you're looking for, but um, the second we, we kind of said that we're going to do this and we went all in, that was probably the, the biggest decision that I've made in the last two years of just once you're all in, you're all in. I mean, there's no turning back once you launch. Of course, we've had many decision makings along the way that have resulted to where we are today, both good and bad. But I think the, the, the initial leap into the founder story is, is the biggest one I've made recently. All right. No, that's a good answer. I'm not going to judge your answer. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, now, before we get into Mosh, we'll talk about Mosh today in a little bit, but I want to start with your angel investing. So a couple of years back, I can't remember exactly, but we had the founder of Super Coffee, Jimmy DeSico on the show. Um, and then we had his ethicist on. I don't know if you know, the company had like an ethicist that advised it. Mm-mm. So it's pretty amazing combo there. And we were talking about the angel investors and he mentioned you. And I remember doing a little research at the time and you've invested prolifically in sort of better for you brands, things like Mudwater, Whoop, uh, really interesting companies. So I just love to start by just like, tell us how you got it started in the world of angel investing. What what was it about these companies and, and how did you even get going? Uh, so really how I started to invest and to get involved into different companies was uh, just out of being a, a struggling consumer. Um, I kind of at the tail end of my high school days and years, I got really into, uh, into working out and, and into just like lifting into bodybuilding into, um, and then I got more interested and intrigued with what I was putting in my body and specifically trying to understand the kind of NFPs, the nutritional fact panels behind a lot of these products. And I remember at my house, we were drinking these like the naked juice smoothies and the bolt house, uh, you know, green machines and these different peanut butter blast smoothies and everything. And I just remember looking at it and being like, holy shit, like I'm drinking like 100 grams of sugar in this little smoothie thing that's supposed to be healthy. And you have all these different additive sugars. And and then you would see these different protein bars that had like 300, 400 grams of you know calories, 20 grams of protein, 20 grams of sugar and all these different things. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try to go out there and find different entrepreneurs that are tackling this, this better for you health and wellness space that are providing Americans with healthier alternatives, less sugar, more protein, you know, just kind of like better overall nutritional labels. And so um, I kind of got lucky. I met this guy who was starting a pizza company called Blaze Pizza, and he was trying to position himself as the healthier pizza company, um, allowing customers to customize their pizza and and know where the ingredients came from and kind of the Chipotle of pizza. And so I got involved with that company pre-revenue, and it, it was called Blaze Pizza. It grew to almost 400 stores, 300 million plus. And it was just like the perfect first investment. You know, I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. I just made so much money. This is going to be like, I got my life ready to go. And so I sold out of that and I was like, I'm going to go find more. And then that's how I ran across Super Coffee. I started becoming really interested in, in Shark Tank uh, from pretty much from season one. And I think they're on season like 
2005 or something like that. So this is probably like seven years ago now. And um, they pitched and the sharks didn't like it. They didn't like the taste. They didn't like the product. Uh, they thought it was a fad. And so I just loved their kind of positivity, their attitude, the product I'd never tried. It looked interesting. So I just messaged them saying like, look, guys, I just, you know, I just had some great, some great investments with Blaze Pizza and some other, you know, companies that I was getting involved with. Um, I was like, let's let's meet. I want to try to help you guys. And so I flew out to New York. We met. We did a handshake deal. I invested. And then really the, the rest is, has been history. But um, my investing thesis is really simple. It's just providing the Americans with the healthier version of what's already out there. So Super Coffee is just the lower sugar Starbucks Frappuccino. Liquid IV is the lower sugar Gatorade. Um, Olipop or Poppy is the lower sugar soda. Blaze Pizza was the healthier Domino's or Pizza Hut um you know so on so forth so um you know i've had really great track record and and in history and some really great exits i'm by no means you know some brilliant investor expert looking at all these different numbers and i, I just i bet with where i i really think that uh, a company can go and what the consumers are looking for and wanting to things you said there that i think are really good takeaways for anybody number one is like read the label before you put anything in your body People, it's so much fake healthy food out there and just read the damn label. And when you do, maybe you'll find an interesting company to invest in. And the second is, I love the fact that you just reached out. I mean, I think that's it's really smart to, if there's a company you like and you're an investor, like don't be shy, reach out to them. Even if they're not raising money right then, you know, you may be able to invest. I am curious, you know, you hadn't done this before. This is new for you. And, you know, investing, part of it is obviously having a thesis and identifying trends and identifying companies and sourcing all that stuff. The other part is like actually like, you know, knowing what, what the contract should say and just understanding the technical aspects of investing. Like, how did you get comfortable with that? Did you have an advisor? Like, how did you sort of get over the hump? Uh, honestly, I've learned a lot myself um, just through watching different YouTubes, meeting different people. The more I got immersed into business, the more I learned um, I mean, I learned more from from investing in Blaze Pizza and opening my own franchises than I did ever in school. I remember I was in my what was it my junior year at college, and we were in a business operations class, and they were teaching different formulas for how to find out bottlenecks in a uh, in a restaurant and and in a uh, specifically in a franchise store of where the bottleneck was when someone was ordering the food, then preparing the food in the checkout and delivering it. And the teacher had known that I was part of Blaze Pizza and that I actually had my own Blaze Pizza store at USC. And so instead of teaching the class through the, the screen and through the formulas, she took the whole class to my Blaze Pizza and we set up different scenarios, of, you know, timing out what would happen if someone was ordering versus how long it took them to go down the line or if they, if they added a different personnel that was only doing the cheese and the sauces and someone else was doing the toppings, how that improved the productivity and thus, you know, eliminated the, the bottleneck. So it was just from the firsthand experiences of being in these businesses, I learned so much. And that's continued even more so now as a founder at, at Mosh. But, you know, I've had really great, you know, mentors in my life, uh, my parents being one of them. You know, my dad is, although he was a still is a, a big, massive, you know, movie star or something like that. He's actually made more money and made his first million dollars from business through his bricklaying business, through his bodybuilding business career, his real estate and, and just his business stuff. So he's actually way more successful in that field than he is in, in film. And he always taught us kids 
about business uh, growing up. I mean, through our lemonade stands, like that was a huge thing for us kids with my parents was like setting up a lemonade stand and really understanding, okay, we're going to go to the store together. We're going to buy these crystal geyser, crystal light packs. We're going to put it into the water. Okay. The whole pack of six costs $6. That means each pack is a dollar. Now you put that in. How many cups of water do you get out of that pitcher? Okay. If you get that much, how, how much do you have to sell it for to make double your money? You know, stuff like that. And that's very simple math and stuff like that. But when you start young, uh, it's extremely helpful. So it was really just kind of through those, you know, parents immersing myself in different businesses and then school, kind of that holy trinity helped learn a lot. You know, I think we're going to make news with the fact that you were selling crystal light at a markup. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's pretty, it's great. And now it's all natural. Now you would, now you have a natural. To the bay, meus queridos fomo sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. FOMO. Now talk about, let's talk about Mosh because, you know, it's one thing to invest in other people's companies. And I'm sure, you know, as you learn a ton, just like, even if you're not running things, just like watching what people do wrong and my angel investments, you know, seeing things that blew up or in a good way or a bad way. But it's another thing to start your own company. Like what was the, what was the big idea here and how did you get comfortable that this was something you wanted to like do full time as CEO? Uh, there were kind of, I mean, multiple different things, right? So my investment thesis and in, in kind of the, the overall game plan was, okay, how can I start my career by, investing into these different, you know, companies that I felt were going to continue to grow and that the macro economy was looking for. How could I do that and continue to grow that, have some exits and provide that I, I know what I'm doing. Then the next phase of my career was, okay, how can I go 
and create companies from the ground up? How can I do it in-house? Because the largest discrepancy between ownerships of a company was between uh, the ideation and the pre-revenue. All of a sudden, there were companies that were launching, uh, about to launch, that all of a sudden had this made-up valuation of $5 million or $10 million or something like that. And investing in it made absolutely no sense. The risk-to-reward ratio of what you would own as an investor didn't really make sense. And I began to learn that. So I really started to think about, okay, what can we do in-house that, that would really make sense that we could put in a couple hundred thousand dollars ourselves versus investing in someone else, invested in ourselves, own the company outright, do a proof of concept, make sure that it works, and then we can go to external investors uh, and utilize their money to make it grow. And Mosh came to us really when I was living home with my mom during covid you know, her background is in Alzheimer's research space, you know, in brain health uh, research. Her father died of Alzheimer's, was diagnosed with it over 20 years ago. And she just dove headfirst into really trying to understand what impacts brain health. And she's done coloring books for, for people with Alzheimer's. She's done documentaries. She's done movies. She's done uh, testified in front of Congress. She's done papers, books, everything. And when I was home with her, I was like, you know, why don't we do something that's food and bev related that that is mission driven that educates consumers about what they eat impacts their brain health and then it also can be a b corp it can raise money for alzheimer's at the same time and still be for profit and she was like that sounds great this is amazing and um that's kind of how the idea came about and in and specifically the food and beverage space cognitive functionality cognitive decline mental health brain health attentiveness alertness and then also how to sleep better, how to relax. All of these things were trending really hot during COVID. They were gaining a lot of steam. And I said, you know, this is the time to do it. You know, we're both home together. I have a lot more time. You do as well. I know it's a really shitty macro environment, but this is the time where companies could really, you know, get built and, and make a, uh, a dent out there. And so we started it. We just started in our kitchen, kind of formulating, making different products. And my mom is obsessed with protein bars. And I was like, you know, the protein bar segment is down double digits year over year. A lot of businesses are going out in this space. At some point, it'll bounce back. So, you know, I think it's worth taking a shot and it's most true to your story. So let's do that. Let's let's take kind of a protein bar formula that really works for you. That is hand in hand with this brain health diet, which is low sugar, high healthy nutrient fats and high levels of protein. And let's add the different vitamins and stuff that you take day to day from your uh, that your doctors recommend for brain health and put it all into one and let's go to the races. And that's what we did. We just started it and sold it only online on our own website. And it's been a really amazing experience. And so you actually came up with a formulation yourselves because I was imagining that, you know, you probably, you kind of found some food formulation company to do this for you, but it sounds like you kind of experimented in the laboratory of COVID in your kitchen to figure out what you wanted this product to be. Oh yeah, we did so, so, so many experiences. I mean, probably tasted over a couple hundred different bars. And I would say we were 80% ready to launch. And then we started from scratch. And that's because at first we were playing around with it. My mom and I trying to find out different, you know, how to do these different mushroom extracts and different functional ingredients and vitamins into it. And it was hard to mask those tastes. And so we, we had dates in it and it was, our bar was at eight grams of sugar. And, um, so it was, you know, 
same around 12 grams of protein, 150 calories or so like that. But a lot of the brain health diet was at this no added sugar and you couldn't have no added sugar when you had, had the date. So, um, what we did was we restarted, reformulated, we utilized allulose and monk fruit. I don't know if you know those ingredients, but, um, mm-hmm. had to go back to the drawing board. And then that's when we kind of started to work with a co-manufacturer out in, in outside of Boulder, Colorado, and, um, you know, trying to do different line trials and make sure that it works on, on the bench and, and all that kind of jazz. And then that's when we started to ramp up. But even when we launched, I mean, we had so many issues. I mean, things that you, you test in your kitchen or that you make, you know, in small batches, you learn really quickly. It is not the same when you run it on a large machine, you know, or when you're pumping them out 50,000 bars at a time. The heat does something different to it. You know, you have to really work and understand how you're mixing the ingredients every time. You know, if you put in the peanut butter first and then the um, ashwagandha and then the lion's mane and then the protein versus doing the protein first, then the almond butter, nut butter, then, you know, all these different little steps make the bar taste completely different. And it interacts, the fats interact differently with the with the proteins and all these different, just stuff that I never learned about. And, you know, I think that was one of the times, one of the next biggest decisions was like, after we launched and there was a problem with our chocolate flavor and how the chocolate liqueur was interacting with the with the different functional mushrooms and stuff like that. And we were getting some complaints on the chocolate and I was just like, okay, look, we got to pull the plug on that, you know, fix this chocolate liqueur flavor and let's just suck up the cost. Anyone that complains, we'll give them their money back. And we're going to do a handwritten letter to each one of these people, send them a new box of the chocolate that, you know, the new formula and say, here you go. And here's a percent off your next order. So that actually was a good win back campaign. We did win, win a lot of them back from that, but yeah, I mean, just endless issues when you, uh, when you're starting. (laughs) Yeah. And what I like about that story, it's, it's funny. Like uh, many years ago, my, I had an internship when I was in business school at Stonewall kitchen, which is this jam company. And it was started by these two guys that sold jam at the farmer's market in Maine and New Hampshire. And it's now become a massive company, you know, with tons of stores, catalog, all the things. And like that process from making a really awesome jam in your kitchen to then maybe doing the industrial kitchen to actually producing at scale, it requires, even if you're a great, at one part of that process, like you you cannot know industrial food production. And so you got to be humble about it. And when you mess up, you have to be willing to, to own up to it, which it sounds like, you know, you've been able to do with, with a lot of success. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't an easy decision. And it was, you know, in the beginning, all those little, you, you know, you're with a magnifier glass, just like looking at your costs and those type of, you know, things. And when you launch and you have to then, you know, send everyone free product or then all these handwritten letters, you know, it adds up and it's a worry. And, um, you know, we started by launching with our own money. So we looked at it very differently than if we had other people's money and just like every little thing was, was really taken into consideration. And, but yeah, it was, it was a great learning experience. FOMO. FOMO. Now talk about, I, I am curious because I think a natural question here and you brought it up yourself is it's a, it's a, it's a crowded market, right? Yeah. Like beverages, energy bars, these kinds of things. They are crowded markets where it's hard to stand out, where you mentioned that, you know, had there been a pullback in the space, like how do you stand out and build something of scale 
in a market where there's so many players claiming that they, they can help you out and, and and that they have you know functional benefits, but you know yours actually you know is different. Like how do you how do you prove that out to the consumer? Right. Well, I think kind of there's multiple parts. Number one is that we don't want to be a bar company. Our our long term vision, our mm. five year, ten year you know vision is to be the brain brand. We want to create different product lines that speak towards brain health and that offers customers the ability to use our different product lines throughout their day in a ritualistic kind of lifestyle manner that will get them thinking about their brain and body. Our first product line is the brain bar. So um, we advertise it as the brain bar. We don't try to just say it's a snack bar or something like that. Um, we do try to articulate in a way that it is like a protein bar made for your brain so customers can understand it. But that kind of leads me to the second part is how do you stand out? One of the benefits of what happened with COVID with this kind of food and beverage industry was a lot of it went direct to consumer, right? A lot of customers were shopping, you know, online, on Instagram, on Facebook, on wherever, Pinterest, listening to podcasts, so on and so forth. And I think that our, one of our top traits of our companies is, is our founder story, right? And it's the story of my mom's background and her relationship with Alzheimer's and losing her father to Alzheimer's and, just the truthfulness there and how much she learned about it and how much diet impacts brain health and basically receiving all that knowledge throughout the 20 years, digesting it and putting it out into this product with her son, this mother son dynamic. We can explain that in the direct consumer landscape. We can do advertisements that tell that story. We can build a website that has a really beautiful about us page and, and really the story behind this product and why we chose each ingredient and, the different, um, you know, doctors and nutritionists and people that helped us formulate this bar, all of that is is articulated through the direct consumer landscape. The bigger question is how do we articulate that once we get to a shelf, and that's going to be something we have to really work on in the coming years. But that's why we wanted to start direct consumer so that we could, you know, utilize that messaging to consumers and that we can also find out do they care about this? Are they interested? Um, and if so, why are they interested? Why do they come back? What other product lines are they interested in? What other um, attributes are they looking for? How can we, what other product lines are they taking and how could we be the substitute to those? So those are things that we're doing right now. And um, truthfully, I think that majority of the grocery store shelves these days are saturated. I mean, they're, they're and it's going to be really hard as an investor to, to see this forward. But in my mind, pretty much majority of the areas have been kind of adapted now. I mean, people have kind of revolutionized the cereal department, the, the nut butters, the oatmeals, the bars, the milks, the yogurts, so on and so forth. So we'll see where it goes now. But I think that um, this next year, it's going to be really tough for a lot of companies, uh, just with the macro economy, with raising money, with everything like that. And I think we're really well positioned. We have a really clear idea of who our target consumer is. And we're very capital and cash efficient. So I'm bullish on our, our future. And I would say, lastly, we, we focus on a consumer that not many people focus on. We are really prime time kind of 40 to 60 female. And a lot of people are trying to attack the millennials and Gen Z right now, especially through social media. And my mom, when she kind of, when we created this company, she said, like, I really want to go after people that are my age. You know, I feel like, People are not speaking to us, that we're forgotten and we have all the money. We support a lot of kids. We have had to take care of our own parents. We've been caretakers. We've seen people that have 
been directly impacted by this. And so we care more about it. And we're at the age that, you know, we don't want to mess around anymore. We care about our cognitive functionality. We don't want it to decline. So that's kind of the group that we've gone towards and that we speak with. And um, it's different than 99% of any of the energy protein snack bars. Yeah, it's it's first of all, you know, I got to tell you, I you got to think that the trend is your friend because the millions of people who've experienced brain brain fog after having COVID, it's all of a sudden like you, you for the first time in your life, you're sort of I remember this having that in myself sort of like, wow, brain health is not to be trifled with. So there is just a general secular trend in your favor. The other thing that's interesting is like people forget that women control the purse strings in the family and right. the family budget. I mean, the most of the household purchases me. So it's a completely ignored consumer. So that's a very interesting insight. I'm curious, you know, you, you've been investing, you've done stuff in the entertainment industry. You're now running this business. Like when you think about, you know, the, the what is a FOMO sapiens? A FOMO sapiens is somebody who takes a unique path to success in their life by doing things a little differently and not feeling constrained. Right. And maybe listening to their FOMO a little, like, how do you see the balance of the things that you want to do? How do you manage your time that way? Oof. I mean, there's so many things that I want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's like, it's probably my biggest weakness. And it's also my biggest strength is that I can do multiple things at once. But, you know, I think one of my biggest worries is, you know, making sure that I'm 100% all in on that, that one thing. You know, I have my film career that's that's continuing to grow and the acting side and um, that and managed with with mosh has been a really kind of interesting dynamic and and taken a lot of kind of just time management to understand my schedule and understand how to build this this company but yeah i mean there's so many things that i want to do that i just uh you know we don't we don't all have the time for and and you know we can't do everything so it's really just prioritizing what i want to do and mosh is just really something i want to do just because i Number one, want to make my mom's dreams come true and make you know her happy. Every son and daughter, we always want to strive to make our parents happy and proud of us. And to get to work with her and make this vision of hers come to life is is really fulfilling. And number two, it was always part of my plan with my investing kind of thesis to to grow into this, to create our own companies in house, which will lead me to my you know third phase down the road, which is then I can raise a shit ton of money and, and really build these out for other people or or. Uh, just create more companies in house, but yeah, it's also the film world is really weird. Like last year, I worked four or five months up in Toronto. The year before, ten months in Atlanta. And film is like you can work every day for a couple months and then not work every day for a couple months. Uh, and then when you're on set, it's like you work hardcore for like five or ten minutes, and then you have like an hour off. And then you work for like a few minutes, and you have like four hours off. And then you work for like thirty minutes, and then it's like it's a really odd schedule. So it's, there's a lot of, you know, the famous thing in film is they say, hurry up and wait, because you're just waiting so much on set. And so running a business and working with people during those times actually keeps me sane, I feel like, and makes me feel like I'm doing other things. And I guess the only other thing I would say was, was building a team is probably the most important thing. You know, I'm not always responsible for the results. I'm responsible for, you know, putting together a really great team that are responsible for the results. And I have a really great, small but mighty team at Mosh of three. And everyone is really good at what they do and knows specifically what they're responsible for. And they keep the the fly, you know, the, the wheel going. So it's, um, 
they're responsible for a lot of it. All right. If you want to learn more about the company and try its products, you can go to moshlife.com or you can find them on at moshlife on Instagram. If you want to find out more about Patrick, you can also find him on Instagram at Patrick Schwarzenegger. Patrick Schwarzenegger, CEO and co-founder of Mosh Life. Thanks for being here. Thank you, man. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.